Whenever people experience the Kabbalah, they often think of it in terms of a structure of a group of circles somehow connected with each other that are referred to as the Tree of Life. The Tree of Life is drawn from, as most other things in Kabbalah, the Holy Scriptures that go back to Genesis, which describe the tree in the center of the Garden of Eden, the Tree of Life. The number of spheres come from the beginning of Genesis, where frequently we find the words, and God said, and God said, let there be light, and God said, let there be a separation between the higher waters and the lower waters. And they counted up the number of times that it says, and God said, and came up with the ten emanations or sayings of God that caused the creation to unfold. Now, in the ancient Kabbalistic text, it says, these ten are the necessary primordial forms upon which all creation is based. A good analogy for this are the ten digits that we know, zero through nine. Everything that we view in the entire universe mathematically is dependent upon these ten digits. What kind of a universe would it be if we took out one of the digits and only had nine digits? It would be a different universe. It would be a different reality altogether. The ten digits that make up all numbers extend to infinity and give us a universe of our current reality. So, the point is the Kabbalists are saying each one of these ten forms is imperative for our universe to unfold the way it unfolds in a reality as we know it. These are the ten spherot. And they represent virtually everything in the universe. Just as abstract mathematics will say, we can find a formula to describe everything in the manifest universe. The Kabbalah is the metaphysics that says, Kabbalistically, we can describe every event, every substance, everything that unfolds in this universe, we can describe in terms of these ten svirot. So they become the basic matter of all metaphysical inquiry. And because they're so essential, they become confused when we look at them in the terms that they're normally taught. Frequently, the ten svirot are taught individually as if we can look at them separately from the other nine and we put attributes to them. And ultimately, my own experience has been that it becomes really confusing. So what 
I'm going to do here is present them more in terms of relationship with each other. Starting by telling you, even though I'm going to be working with triads, groups of three, to give you a sense of relationship, keep in mind at all times that no single sphera, no single one of these emanations ever works separately from all of the rest. They're all interwoven with each other. Moreover, each sphera includes the other nine within it. They don't stand separately. These are just the tools that we work with to understand the cosmology of the universe, but none of them really exist in and of themselves. They're simply tools, ideas, thoughts, concepts. The Kabbalah puts major emphasis on the number 10 in terms of the Svirot. But as in many Jewish practices, there's always a difference of opinion. We find in the Talmud that one side is always arguing with another side. And we find in the Kabbalah that there's a difference of opinion whether the topmost sphera, Keter, and we'll talk about it in a few minutes, should be included in the spherot, because Keter is so ephemeral, so impossible to bring any attributes to, because it acts almost as the medium through which the manifest universe becomes manifest from something that's unmanifest, but in and of itself, it has no clear attributes like you'll see the others do. There are some Kabbalists that said, that's not the tenth sphera. There's another one that sits between two spherot that really need a balance point, and that's called da'at. So whenever you look at a tree of life, the first point of confusion that some people have is they say, I heard that there were 10 spherot, but I added up and I count 11. And you'll notice in most of those trees of life, when they're well drawn, there's one that has drawn with dotted lines and the other 10 are drawn with clear circles. The one with dotted lines is called da'at, not because they're dotted lines, but because it just happens to sound the same. And that's the one that is the arguing point with the topmost sphera, the Keter. Keter and Da'at, one of them makes up the 10. And so the representation often looks like 11, but in the end, it really is 10 spherot. As we go through these descriptions, it would be very useful for you to refer to the diagram that's provided to see physically how they interact with each other. The point that I would like to make is that not only here, but in everything we do in the spiritual realm, we deal with paradox. There's a well-known story about a student that goes to his Rebbe and says, Rebbe, I'm disagreeing with my friend over here, and this is what I believe. And the Rebbe says, 
well, I think you're right. And then the friend comes and says, wait a minute, Rebbe. This is what I believe. And he gives him absolutely 100% different views and opinions. And the Rebbe looks at him and he says, you're right. And a third student watching this discussion comes up and says, but Rebbe, this one believes this and that one believes that and they're totally opposite. They can't both be right. And he says, you're right. The Kabbalists say this, they're worlds of paradox where you enter into the paradox accepting that this is the realm of paradox. It doesn't mean that we want to resolve it. It just exists this way. We'll be dealing a lot with paradox as we go through deeper discussions in the Kabbalah because there are many ideas that are offered Kabbalistically that are paradoxical. 